Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for HBO's The Last of Us. To the edge of the universe and back, endure and survive. Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 5, titled Endure and Survive, directed by Jeremy Webb. Special thanks, as always, to our partners at Crave and HBO for letting us watch this series in advance. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this episode, but not the games. But even if you still haven't you know, watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back faster than a fresh, hungry runner. Now, before we hide from the resistance, let me introduce you to my fellow survivor. He's taller than a bloater, and he's certainly an Ellie toter. He's Justin the Joel Lovin Lawrence. How are you doing this week, Justin? I'm doing great. I'm telling you, this episode, we get Ellie Toten, and we get a bloater. So I'm I'm extra happy Ellie with this Toten week's episode. Ellie and I'm, a I'm, bunch I'm, of bloating. <laughs> a lot of bloating. Yeah, we'll get into it. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Justin, uh, listen, I mean, for our listeners that don't know, we are recording this in advance, but we're, we're watching uh, the episodes, then doing our recording, and then watching, uh, mm-hmm. which has been a little bit tough for us. You know, we kind of want to, you know, there's moments where I want to binge this, uh, this show, and there's moments where, like I think with this episode, where I'm actually kind of okay that we're not binging uh, this show, because it kind of, it's, it can be pretty heavy over time. I need a breather after this one. But um, but listen, because we're recording this in advance, this might be old news by the Correct. point that somebody's listening to this. But I wanted to shout out the fact that the show, uh, The Last of Us uh, on HBO, has been greenlit for a second season. Which, I mean, that's obvious that that would have yeah. happened, but still pretty cool. Yeah. Was there any doubt? I- yeah. No, it's, it's definitely great to get the confirmation early. You know, if they really wanted to, to toy with us, they could have waited until... The series wraps right because a lot of people have been saying well with ratings like this yeah they're probably going to come out sooner or later and say that there's a season two that's going to be greenlit and sure enough that that is the case but i was like i hope they wait till the end and then just you know people are like oh, are they gonna they're gonna go with a season two and you know boom that's how they announce it at the end well you have something to look <clears throat> forward to but happy to hear that we're we're gonna get it it makes me wonder too how this a series is going to end in relation to right. to the game. Again, we're we're not spoiling the the game in this uh, podcast, but but to the point of like, do they end it? Do they end it where the first game ends? Or you know, I think um, uh, both Mazin and, and Druckmann have said like there is a lot of uh, sort of there's a lot of story that they can tell, um, and I think it's it's been documented already that they sort of feel like part two could be more than one season. Um, and so when they when they're referring to the future of this series, even before this this announcement was made, um, it did sound like we're looking at at least two more seasons. Well, also not to sidetrack and get too uh, into the weeds here, <laughs> but on the game side, it seems like 
Last of Us 3 is very much up in the air. But I wonder how much of that is going to be reconsidered by given the fact that this show's come out, the ratings have been so good. I think there's been a 238% increase in gameplay for the game. As far as The Last of Us is concerned, um, we know that they are working on a multiplayer game uh, for for The Last of Us. Um, and so with, with that one, with a, you know, a faction-style game, um, I say, you know what? Get us to to get get a season two premiere drop on the same week that you drop the Last of Us multiplayer game, and you are they're gonna be they're gonna be doing so well. Um, but listen, before we wake up the underground infected, Justin, let's get into this mm. week's episode. Okay, so we start we start with a riot. Uh, seeing the resistance, they've won. Um, they kill off the remaining Fedra inside the Kansas City QZ. Um, we see them beating them, hanging them, shooting them in the face, and then celebrating as they do it. Uh, we see they've commandeered Fedra's vehicles and weapons, and they're announcing through loudspeakers that any collaborators found will receive a fair trial. Hmm. Uh, we, we see Henry and Sam hiding behind a dumpster as they witness a Fedra soldier uh, that's just been stabbed with a bunch of knives. Uh, being dragged slowly behind a truck. Henry pulls Sam aside and signs to him that they're almost there uh, and they just need to travel two more blocks. So Justin, let's start let's start here. Um, absolutely horrifying to see these people like they're almost like partying it up on 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 one hand and then you know they, they, sure they're celebrating their freedom, but in the most vicious way possible. What did you think of this sort of opener with the, all the the mass murder going on? Yeah, like you said, it's it's crazy to see, um, and, and you have conflicting feelings because I don't think we've seen enough of Fredra being this like bully, other than the uh, first episode seeing them attack the fireflies. Like, I don't think we've seen enough of the reason why the people hate them. We understand who they are, yeah, and, and whatnot, but we haven't seen that side of them. Because like, even if you think of something like Game of Thrones, some some of the worst characters that you hated, mm -hmm. you saw their actions and hated them. And when justice came for them, you were like, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Joffrey, no, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I get that. I get that. So here it's like with the resistance, they don't look like good guys. And maybe that is the point. Right. Maybe the whole idea is that people can't be trusted. Mm. And that as we were talking about in the last episode, what's terrifying apart from all these infected is is how people are yeah. at the at this, you know, apocalyptic point point in, in the world's uh, existence so yeah I, I think it's it shows the savagery on the other side even though again we haven't seen the full-fledged savagery of, of Fedra yeah later in the episode uh, you know Henry he, he mentions how they you know I think Joel even says like oh I heard that they were monsters I heard they were the worst um, and that they were you know even worse than some than the Fedra in the Boston QZ, um, and I think for me watching this scene, it's not so much like yes, their actions are horrifying, but it's how much they're enjoying mm -hmm. themselves as they murder these yeah. soldiers and savagery, well, man. And like that's when <laughs> you know I'm sure there are Fedra soldiers that you know are being hung or stabbed that have been horrible people, right? But it's just the way that these folks like relish in their death. It's just. It's really off-putting and awful to see. Oh, it's going to get worse. Well, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> As we get further. <laughs> but you, you kind of see how, you know, they're infected in a different way, 
right? They're infected with that same anger that we talked about in episode one where Joel just beat the living crap out of that guy, right? Like it's, it's, we're seeing people here, um, they're killing, they're enjoying it, but at the same time, it's destroying more of our species if you think about it, just from a survival standpoint. Of course. But, yeah. but then you see the infected, they don't enjoy it. They just do it because it ultimately creates more of their species. So it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition with this scene and then we get that one at the end. Like, I think it's a really cool way that they sort of mirror each other. But whereas with this one, mm. we're just making it worse for ourselves as a human race. Whereas the infected are only ever growing stronger, which is just, again, it's just freaky. Yeah, no, for sure. We're, we're fighting each other rather than fighting together. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's very much the point of, of what we're seeing played out here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, rebellion, retaliation, all those right. things that we know uh, would yeah. come. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I think, as you pointed out, there's some some loose expositional dialogue that is meant to fill in this blank. But I don't know if it did enough. I was just like, Jesus, like, <laughs> this is this is pretty crazy. Well, and right? I think, like, too, because we're Star Wars fans, we think of the resistance and we think of the heroes of Star Wars, especially the nah, sequel series. I don't, I At wouldn't, least I do. I don't know. <laughs> I think that they're almost as bad as Fedra right. by the looks of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, Based on how they're how they're carrying themselves. That's what it seems so. like. So listen, we cut to a, a bunch of uh, informants or uh, collaborators, uh, as as they're called. Kathleen threatens the group, asking them if it felt good betraying their people so they could get medicine, alcohol, or what she says, fucking apples. Um, she tells them that they could. Like Apple computers, you I, think? Like I, I was thinking I, Apple probably, computers. Yes, that's probably what they need to survive. <laughs> Apple iPhones. <laughs> um, but but uh, she says, you know what? They could put them on trial. They'll do some time. It, it'll be easy. But first, she asks them where Henry is. None of them say a word. So she starts walking away, and she asks Perry to kill them. Out of fear of death, one of them admits that Henry was with Edelstein. Um, he, you know, he tells her that Edelstein or Edelstein, I can't remember how they pronounce it, uh, had a place for him and Sam to hold up in case things got bad. She tells her militia group to go door to door right now looking for him. When Perry asks if now's the right time, she tells him this isn't her seventh priority, Perry. Okay, geez. Uh, he asks if they're really putting the informants on trial and she says no burn the bodies because it's faster. So we discussed uh, last week this idea of tribalism, and, and here we're seeing a bunch of collaborators who I guess were informants for Fedra ratting out the resistance for supplies. What did you think about, you know, sort of Kathleen's brutal decision to kill them all? Well, you know, last week I was sort of thinking that, you know, if obviously she's a leader and everyone looks up to her, she must be very calculated. She must be very formidable. And, you know, people respect her and, and they look up to her. But in this moment, I don't think that is the case here. She's not very calculated. She's kind of reacting with her emotions. Right. She's so angry at these collaborators. She did it to set an example. And, you know, being so frustrated with Henry and, and wanting him captured immediately and found, it feels like her decisions are very, very much fueled by emotion rather than being practical and, and, and you know, kind of taking the time to think about it. So, well, and it's interesting because I like I kept going back and forth on how I felt about them, the collaborators specifically, like mm-hmm. the idea that some of them would rat out their own community for alcohol, right? Or apples, like those aren't good people, you know what I mean? But the ones doing it for, for medicine or for the base supplies that they might need to survive, it, it sounds to me like the resistance, you know, Kathleen's resistance, might not have always been pulling their weight in terms of providing for people, 
right? That's why they they had to to go to these extreme measures to be able to survive. But, exactly. but again, it's like that's where a trial would have actually really been a good idea, Kathleen. Like I, I, I just <laughs> That's what I mean. She's she wants to make an example right. of them. She could have put them on trial. She could have been the bigger person yeah. and allowed peers to judge them based on their actions to see if it was for themselves or for the betterment of someone else and and have an understanding, you know. Because as we'll see with Henry, he wasn't really a bad guy. I know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um I also just wanted to shout out Jeffrey Price looking completely different mm. with that white beard. Uh, as Perry, but fun fact, Justin, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the guy that plays Perry, um, he is uh, he also does the performance capture and voice capture for Tommy in the games. So he's he's Tommy in the games. You hear, you hear his oh. voice and it was kind of like, oh, yeah. Um, so anyways, Henry and Sam head up to the stairs to find Dr. Edelstein uh, and they they discuss the plan based on how much food they have left. Um, also, notice, Justin, none of them have any ammo. So when they hold Joel and Ellie at gunpoint, they couldn't have actually shot them in that moment. There's no, no ammo in their guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought yeah. it was an interesting little tidbit there. So yeah. Henry tells Sam he's not scared and asks him to place the uh, to to make the place look less ugly. And he hands him a bag of crayons. Cut to ten days later, uh, and the walls are covered in Super Sam and Super Henry drawings. Uh, and unfortunately, now they've run out of food. Henry asks if Edelstein is coming back. Uh, and, uh, or sorry, Sam asks if Edelstein is coming back and Henry tells him he is. Uh, but the next day he tells Sam that Edelstein isn't coming back and he's been killed. And then after a hug and some face paint, uh, it's time to move on. Once again, they witness the gunfight between Joel and the resistance from last week's episode. And just like last week's episode, they climb the stairs to find Joel and Ellie, uh, and they hold them at gunpoint. Uh, and we've now caught up to last week's episodes, uh, cliffhanger. So, after they all calm down, Henry introduces himself and his brother Sam, and Joel and Ellie share what's left of their rations with them. Joel asks them to move on, but Henry offers a chance to escape through the tunnels. The city has been cleared of Fedra throughout the last 10 days, uh, and while overlooking the city, Henry tells Joel that, Kansas, that the Kansas City Fedra were monsters. They raped, tortured, and murdered people for 20 years, and after 20 years, the people are now doing it back. He lets them uh, know he's a collaborator, and Joel, you know, is a little off put by this. He calls him a rat, um, and he lets them know, uh, you know, Henry lets Joel know of his dicey as fuck plan to escape through the tunnels, claiming that Fedra drove all the infected underground fifteen years ago, but they've cleared them out like three years ago, probably. Uh, he's very unsure about it. So we get an explanation as to why the infected were starting to come up from the under the ground. We were wondering that last week. It's like we've never seen them yeah, under yeah, the yeah. ground before. So it's specific to this, uh, this you know, Kansas City. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Fedra drove them there 15 years ago. And then we also learned that, that Henry was a collaborator. What do you think of the changes to him and Sam uh, as characters for the show versus the game? Well, you you might have to refresh me because at, at times, given how long since I played the game, it's hard for me to recall all the nuanced details of it. And that's what I like. Like you, you mentioned it last week. Like if you know, you know. Sure. If you've played the game, there's specific things that are like, whoa, they really shout out at you as being like, oh, I remember that from the game. I got to say, I, I'm not entirely caught up or reminded of, of, of Henry and Sam other than that they were brothers um, and they were characters that we interacted with. Um just in and around the story, um, you know, I, I think last last in last week's episode, I was mentioning how I thought this episode would 
allow for us to see a, a lapse of time me up to the point of of the cliffhanger at the end of of episode four mm-hmm. um and maybe just a little more detail we got there pretty quickly yeah uh you which know, is we, nice we didn't get all the 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 details yes and no though you i wanted I think like a bottle, like, bottle it, episode it was, I just wanted to know a little bit more about this treachery. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And maybe see how Fedra has been, how has been like this. Like, especially with the, what they did with episode three and how they took us through 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they have to do 20 years, mm-hmm. but they could do a window of time leading up to Henry's big treacherous act and seeing all the nuances of, of it to understand what he's doing to survive right. up to the point when he meets Joel. Um, and I think that that was a little sped up and in these moments where it was kind of just expositionally handled so that we could move on to the next thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's interesting that they've, they somehow forced them, forced the infected into the ground. I, I I'm still intrigued by that. How what, what did even, they do? Yeah. How did like, they how, do that? I, I don't know. Like, was that not what you were thinking? I was <laughs> like, I was like, how, like, can we get a little ropes, bit more of like a logistics Justin, of a that? A lot like, of ropes, just a ton of rope. Yeah, but look how quickly they <laughs> come out at the end. No, I know. Like it's like the, what? The, what did you do? Yeah. Like I don't understand. And why was the so, ground collapsing too? Right. But maybe maybe the idea was that they the infected weren't you know fully infected. These were all people that had been bit or or scratched, and they as fast as possible before they would start turning, forced them underground. That's that's kind of what the idea I was getting. But I think this is a great way to give more context for the character of Henry and why he needs to escape the city so bad. Cause in the games, yeah, the reasoning is that the city is full of like, they just call them hunters and he needs to escape the hunters or, or the raiders or what have you. And so mm-hmm. um, I thought this was great. I, I thought Lamar Johnson is a perfect casting Toronto born Canadian, by the oh, way, yeah. uh, love to see Toronto born actors uh, in uh, on the big screen or on the little screen or the HBO screen. Um, and I really thought, there's a really fantastic moment and probably my favorite bit of acting is so subtle from Lamar Johnson, but the way Henry's eyes light up when he sees Sam laughing with Ellie and he just says, I haven't seen yeah. that before. I was like, okay, yeah. you got me. You got me. I haven't seen that in a long I'm time. I'm so yeah. sad because as yeah. a player of the games, I knew what was coming and I was just, just like, I was, I was getting emotional at that point. Um, and then as for Sam, uh, way younger in the games than than in you know than we thought he would. Or he's that I he's remember. Older in the games, he's way younger in the show. Yes, he's older in the yeah. games. He's younger in the show. He was. We we were saying last week, like anywhere between eight and ten is what this kid in the series looks to be. Yeah. But he, in the game, I think he was like what eleven, eleven or twelve, maybe. So it's interesting that they decided to age him down for for this adaptation. But um, but I I will say I thought that Henry signing to Sam was just to stay quiet at first. Um, and then we quickly learn that Sam is actually deaf. And Kayvon Woodard um, was fantastic in this episode. According to DailyMoth.com, uh, Kayvon is the first black deaf young actor uh, to ever be mm-hmm. featured in a TV series by a major studio. So hopefully this this means we're going to see uh, more of that in general. But then in the future, I'm stoked to see Kayvon in more roles. Um, you know, I think... It'll be fun to be like, hey, that's that's the that's the kid that was Sam in The Last of Us, uh, and to see him grow up, mm-hmm. I think is is going to be awesome. So hopefully he's able to to get more roles through this, and I think it's such a fantastic interview. Uh, inner, sorry, and such a fantastic opportunity. Uh, there is a really great interview though on DailyMoth.com that you should check out with Kayvon, uh and his mom. Definitely check it out. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes because it was it was a really good interview, yeah. and I love that. Um, was that an added element making Sam? Yeah, deaf? Sam's not. Or was that Sam's not deaf in the game? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that I was wondering that too because I was like, I, I bear like that 
portions like very much slipped. I should have watched the video to kind of <laughs> refresh myself. But I'm planning to I'm gonna play. play I'm games. gonna do a, a replay. Yeah, yeah. After after we get through this series, because it'll be fun to kind of be like, oh, okay, now I remember <laughs> things. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like the moments that we see Ellie and uh, uh, Sam interact with each other, we really get to see them be kids, mm-hmm. right? And like, even though there is a bit of an age gap between them, like. Like you can see how warm Ellie is to Sam, yeah. and and very like really really welcoming and and polite, non threatening. Whereas like you know when they first interact and Joel, that's his asshole voice. Oh, I love that right? that, that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she calls him out for it, and like she's just she, you know she's reading the room, she's getting the situation mm-hmm. right. Like, like that's a weird tone, um, man. That's a weird tone. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like okay, like oh Joel. Um, so anyways, they, they make it into the tunnel and they discover what looks like a daycare center or a school underground. Sam discovers an issue of Savage Starlight, uh, which is a comic book you collect in the games. Um, and, uh, it's titled Accretion, which is interesting because the definition of accretion, if I have it correctly, uh, is, um, building, like layering upon itself. So it's it's kind of what the infected kind of do. They layer on top of, you know, especially the clickers on top of people's faces and eyes and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I thought that was an interesting little ad there. Ellie asks Joel if they can rest for a little bit. And during that time, Ellie and Sam get to be kids and play, like we were saying, uh, while Joel apologizes for calling Henry a rat. He says it seems kind of cruel to send a whole army after him just for being a collaborator. Henry informs him, that he didn't quite tell him the truth. He's actually killed someone before. Or, well, inadvertently, I guess. Uh, He tells him about a man, a great man, uh, and that uh, Sam became sick with leukemia, and he traded that great man, the leader of the resistance movement uh, for the Kansas City and uh, Kathleen's brother, to Fedra in exchange for Sam's medicine. He says he's the bad guy uh, because he did a bad guy thing. He says, you get it, though. Because you might not have been, you might not be her father, but you have been someone's father once. So we finally get the answer mm-hmm. as to why Kathleen wants Henry dead, uh, albeit in more of an ex- expositional moment. But it does raise an interesting question: um, Is Henry a bad guy, and did he actually hmm. do a bad guy thing? Well, I think that a lot of people will say, yes, he is the bad guy. As we see, no, the resistance is looking Mm. for him because they think of him as a collaborator and he's a bad guy. But I I don't know. I I think he is a good guy that did a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did it for the well-being of Sam. Uh, He did it to protect him. So I don't know. I guess the jury's out on that. But um, I do think it's really interesting, though, that we have this moment in uh, in this scene where, you know, Henry aligns with Joel and understands his instincts and even though that he might not be the father to ellie he was the father to someone and that someone that he can mattered. sense that mm-hmm. yeah he can sense that he can sense that paternal instinct because even earlier before we get to this scene he's a, he references you know uh oh your dad's a little uh <laughs> he's not my dad they both cut him yeah. off right away oh not my yeah. dad right not her dad right and i i thought that that was really telling because they really do want to draw the line that they're not father-daughter duo if you will you know they're friends you know right yeah they're they're not quite family although i i do think i do think they kind of are i don't know in my mind uh she's her she's his daughter but right but i think at the end of the day you know in the last episode when they're in the car and she says you know you're not family yeah cargo and tess was family Mm -hmm. right i think that's going to change obviously right hence why we have such a 
standout bold moment where it was like, hey, you're not you're not family. You're just cargo. Right. Like what a shit thing to say to a kid. <laughs> like, well, I think um, uh, that was probably more of his asshole voice. Um, but I think, you know, seeing Brian begging for his life last week um, and, and this change to Henry, I think elevates his character to bring up an ongoing theme for this series and for the games. Uh, and that's the fact that in this world, there are good people, there are bad people, and there are good people that do bad things for good reasons. I think Henry, right. I think Henry is a good guy who did a bad thing for a good reason. And I think Michael, you know, really was, um, if, if he really was such a good guy as Henry's describing him, um, you know, then, then he would have understand that reasoning. Um, Perry, you know, uh, in, in even mentions the next scene, how Michael never really changed anything, um, probably because right. he was too kind. Like it, it kind of reminds me of another character from another HBO show, House of the Dragon with King Viserys, right? Who was, mm-hmm. he was a king, he was a leader, but he never really didn't, did anything to changed rock anything, the boat yeah. or change yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, and so I, that mm-hmm. to me is what this Michael character kind of sounds like. Um, so that's, I, I kind of still feel like. Listen, if Michael probably agreed with the reasoning, if he understood the reasoning, I don't think that does make um, make Henry a bad guy in this situation. Um, I did like seeing the drawing on the wall that showed uh, Donnie and Ish, and it said, Our Protectors. Again, it's one of those little things from the games where like, they give us whole side stories through the artifacts that you find along the way. And so I just thought it was a lovely way to sort of incorporate that. And they, they really do kind of take a beat and, and show you that moment. So, um, all right, let's keep going here. Uh, so we see Kathleen in her childhood bedroom uh, that she shared with her brother, Michael. Perry finds her and she tells him the last time she saw uh, Michael alive uh, was in jail. And he asked her to forgive Henry for what he did. Perry reminds her that Michael didn't change anything. Uh, she did. So he says, we're with you. Uh, so again, uh, another great way for them to give us some humanity from, you know, Kathleen seeing a bit of her story again, even though it is through exposition and, and dialogue. Um, but we do get to learn a little bit more about her vendetta against Henry. And we kind of, it, again, it's one of those scenes that it, it tries to, it tries to push you as the audience to, to understand a little bit more of where she's coming from, even though of I course. do think she does seem pretty unhinged at this point. Yeah, she's very unhinged. She's yeah. upset and and angry, and I, I don't know. Like again, it's just you know, like the previous scene and like this scene, it's all just being handled with expositional dialogue, and I'm just kind of like, oh, I wish we could have seen more of this. There's only so much time, Justin. There's only so much. I know, time. but like, but my 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 thing is is that <laughs> that like like again, I, I'm just I'm wondering then what's the purpose of this story? Like, I can see a lot of potential themes and elements aligning to Joel and Ellie's story or even Bill and Frank's story that we got, you know, in episode three. But here we're just being fed expositional dialogue that is meant to help fill out why people are angry or why people did what they did. Like at the end of the day, like Michael's just a name. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's just a, it's just a a, a name. Well, so it's like, you have to wonder too, like again, I can imagine. and, And from what I've heard from a lot of writers, is that they make they make the thing with the idea that this is it, this is the thing, um, and not necessarily that they absolutely 100% will get a green lit for a season two or a season three or what have you. So you have to imagine they're probably looking at this like, okay, well, we've been able to add a little bit more to context to Henry's story, 
but we also have all these other beats that we want to try and hit to to get through this story um I get at, at a satisfactory rate right for sure and i and that's i think again like we'll, when we get to the final score yeah it'll probably dictate what how i feel about it but at the end of the day it's like i understand that there's more story to tell but with with as much information that's going on between the relationship of Henry, Michael, and Kathleen, mm-hmm. it's just being handled through dialogue. We're not seeing any of it. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we as an audience would connect more by just even seeing glimpses of it. Right? Do you know what I mean like just just little moments? In some cases, you know, maybe not all of it. Like I do like of all of the moments that we've experienced things through expositional. I like that Henry explains his point of view for his positioning of why he did what he did. Yeah. And how he can connect with Joel on that. And we as you as you pointed out, we understand that Joel's been in the same problem and probably in the same position where he's had to do the bad guy thing. But he's doing it for good reasons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like very similar. So, so you're saying maybe bring, of back, all of them. bring back the cold opens. That's what you're saying. Either cold <laughs> opens or just play play with the idea of time because mm-hmm. even now more than ever, episode three with with Bill and Frank feels so of itself and you know other than just f- obviously feeding the narrative and, and telling us a beautiful story, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's just its own episode. None of that theme of of, of moving through different periods of time and experiencing the virus at different points uh, over the course of, of the 20 years, it didn't seem to really play out the way I thought it would in this episode. So I just, I thought that could have been explored here in Henry and Sam's story. Okay. Um, I also wanted to mention that last week I had mentioned that I hadn't seen a lot of Melanie Linsky's dramatic work. Uh, and I was yeah, she's, totally she's wrong. From New Zealand? Um, she's from New Zealand, which is crazy. Um, and you know, I think we talked about Murray Bartlett as well with who plays Frank and he's got such a good American accent. And so finding out that she was from New Zealand, I had no idea just these incredible Mm -hmm. actors pulling off flawless American accents. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I was totally wrong. I I have seen her, uh, in another show and she was excellent in it. She's in yellow jackets, uh, which is another really, really fantastic show about survival and, and, and dealing with you forgot her. Well, you know what? It's one of those. (laughs) It's one of those things. No, I know. You watch you watch so I much watch stuff. Of we stuff. watch so much stuff. It's just <laughs> we're going through one one part of our eyes and back out of our heads. That's so. it. That's it. Uh, so anyways, <clears throat> Joel, Ellie, Henry, and Sam make it out onto the street outside the city. Um, and Ellie asks Henry what they're what they're doing once they're out and informs them uh, that they're welcome to join them on their way to Wyoming. And I love Joel immediately like looks back at her and he's so ticked <laughs> off that she just did that. Um, and then Henry takes the side is like, no, no, no. I, I think we should just give our fond farewell. Yeah, he looks <laughs> Clearly, like, I, I read the room. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so during their during their chat, a shot comes out of nowhere uh, and they find themselves right in front of a lone sniper shooting at them from the other end of the street. Joel manages to sneak up behind the sniper and offers him uh, a chance to put his gun down. But when the shooter turns his gun on Joel, he shoots him dead. Uh, then, after picking up the shooter's gun, Joel hears Kathleen on the radio telling Anthony to hold them there a little longer uh, and that they're almost there. Joel quickly starts shouting out the window, telling the others to run. So another excellent moment from the game here with the lone sniper at the end of the road uh, and a great way to tie in you know, to the, the addition of the Resistance's storyline just as to why that sniper is, is kind of positioned there. Uh, what did you think of this adaptation from the game? Again, this is one of those moments that I was like, "Oh, this is from the game. I remember this mission. I <laughs> yeah, I kept fucking was, hard on yeah, that it's game, tough. right? At, at that part, <laughs> and then I figured it out. But you know, in I liked how they weaved it in and made it 
you know, part of this this story, right? Like again, one this thing that this series does really well is being able to pluck those those things from the game and just you know weave them into their their narrative. So I loved it. I, I liked that we got to see that, and obviously, what it leads to was was pretty badass. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, in the games, it was in daylight. Here it's night. It was in daylight. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I remember it, it took like to me, it felt like it was way more time. But you're right, Justin. Like. Just how you're saying you weren't great at it. I feel like it took a lot longer for me because I just kept dying over and over again yeah. in that section. Um, and in the games, it was definitely not this old man. It was like some guy in like a hoodie. He was much younger, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, why we see Joel extending a bit of mercy to the guy here. He's kind of like, he's like, this is all that you have in your life is to sit in this house and guard this 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 exit to the city. Um, and so he kind of gives him a, a little bit of mercy, but the guy goes out. Um, anyways, um, and shout out to the folks who do the sound on this show, by the way, because like there's a moment earlier in the episode where Kathleen claps at the collaborators and then this section here where you hear the pop of Joel's gun and it's just like, like it slaps your ears. Like, I don't know how you're, how you're watching it from an audio perspective, Justin, if you've got headphones on or, or if you're doing surround, probably not surround sound with, uh, with the bad. Oh no, 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 no surround sound. I, I got, I got basic basic speakers uh, i don't have uh, <laughs> um the rolling in the sound bar glory and, and the oleds <laughs> like uh, like yourself here um i do have some really good noise uh canceling headphones um so yeah maybe i'll use those that's a good over idea that. yeah um and then i will say i loved it's just one more thing ellie's joel impression no ellie never ever 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 happening like it's just she's she's so it's it's funny how it's like at first when we i think in our first episode our first watch club i was saying i don't know if bella ramsey is fully there for me yet as ellie and just like by this point with this impression i was like that's ellie that's ellie on the well, screen right there you know what's what's really fun too to know is that she is capturing part one ellie mm-hmm. really really well and I'm with the announcement of a, of a part two. I'm, I'm very excited to see what that evolution is going to look like. But in these moments, she's still making it her own. Like Bella is is still finding the 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 ways to make it so that it is very much of her character. Like it's a very it's very personal mm-hmm. to her and how she is. Um, I have to admire the fact that both Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal are both finding ways to take the traits of the characters that they're emulating while also just like making it their own and giving their own personality so that at the end of the day, it's like Bella Ramsey's Ellie versus Ashley Johnson's Ellie or Troy Baker's Joel Mm -hmm. versus Pedro Pascal's Joel. They're never going to be one and the same. And I like that we get this variation uh, sort of explored through their performances. It's great. It's great. She's doing fantastic. She's doing great. She's doing great. And I did see, it was kind of cringe. I saw a video on YouTube. Somebody had face mapped Bella Ramsey's face in. And it's so awful. It doesn't look good. Like why? (laughs) No, it doesn't. Well, I don't know if it's, like my thing is this, I don't know. It, yeah, it, I don't know if it's because of who did the the, the work or right. if it's just it doesn't work. Well, because right? I, like, I think for me, my, my brain frame, was just like, no, her frame, yeah, the frame exactly. of her face and her body is not the same um, as as Bella Ramsey's. So it's just like it's it did not work. Uh, but let's let's get to something that I thought really worked. Um, so they start running away from this uh, snowplow bashing through the cars. And Ellie is almost pancaked until Joel manages to snipe the driver and it crashes into a house. The vehicle explodes, giving Henry an opportunity to grab Ellie and hide. 
At a standstill, he tells Ellie to take Sam and run. So she grabs his hand, and Henry steps out in front of Kathleen and her crew. Uh, she she points at she she points her gun at him, uh, and she at, she's sorry. You're gonna have to clean no this worries, part take up. Take your time. Apologies. She points her she points her gun at him, and as she's about to fire, the exploded vehicle behind them falls down into a crater, uh, and out of that crater explodes hundreds of infected. Shots are being fired everywhere as the infected begin killing the entire Kansas City crew. Uh, Out of the deep crater, we sort of get this slow motion moment as a massive bloater comes climbing out and starts running towards Perry and Kathleen, and he tells her to run. And as she runs away, we see in the the background, the bloater picks up Perry and rips him, rip, rips (laughs) him into two... pieces Rip. um yep. rips them apart yeah. <laughs> ellie at this point is in a car uh, and she's found by a smaller clicker who begins to attack her forcing her to exit the vehicle she runs towards sam and henry who are also stuck under a car uh, with joel covering her she stabs the two clickers attacking them and just as they're about to make their escape kathleen catches up to them points her gun at them and tells them to stop but in the background that same little clicker does a velociraptor leap onto Kathleen and start shredding her to pieces, allowing them to escape. So, Justin, what an incredible moment. Something we've been waiting to see since the trailer debuted, and we saw the bloater coming up from under under, under the ground with the fire all around. What did you think of, uh, of this attack and, and our first look at a bloater in action? Well, it's funny that we're seeing, like you, you, you called it out, like it's funny that we're seeing the infected destroy this resistance. And, you know, given that where we start at the beginning of the episode, watching the resistance destroy Fedra, yeah. I, I just think that like, it, if anything in this moment, I was rooting for the infected. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Wow, like I was, yeah. I was rooting for them to, to just kill these people because they're awful people. Right. Um, and again, I don't know if that was, if that's, if that's meant to be the case, but given what we've seen, Right and 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 they're understanding their perspective, I, and maybe lack there of what we've seen. I don't know if I have enough of an understanding to care that 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 these people are dying. But I was like, damn, yeah, let's let's get some infected. I think people have been waiting for a big moment like this. We got little bits of it in episode two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with with when the sudden realization of them all running towards Joel, Ellie, and Tess's uh, location to see the bloater. To actually see this thing in action, Dude. just rip it apart. Oh my god! And that little girl, yeah, that crawled through the window and then like was doing like weird cartwheel things. Very, very. She Megan-esque. was like leaping through. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Megan. Very Exorcist. I was gonna yeah. say like Exorcist style. Well, and it's and like it's upsetting the Velociraptor thing. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, oh my god! I think what's really it's upsetting crazy. is like not only is it a, yeah, it's a it's a dead little girl, but it, it's also the fact that to add insult to injury. She's probably one of the students from the school that they came through earlier, right? Which just sort of adds to that that sadness overall. Is that, yeah, I guess you know, so. That could, probably would, would have very... been her because they're underground and or at least yeah, or at least creating that association, right? right? Of like, like that's probably where she came from. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, I want to shout out whoever's responsible for the lighting in this show. Thank you very much, 
giving us finally uh, a massive attack scene in the dark on HBO that I don't have to turn my brightness all the way up. Uh, but, you know, shout out Game Oled. of Thrones. Um, <laughs> it's just, dude, it's honestly, though, there's so many scenes in, in Game of Thrones where, again, it's just like the, you, there's so much chaos going on. You can't really enjoy it here. Uh, I thought the whole sequence was really good. The way the infected explode out of that crater, they're crawling over each other like And ants. they just start running. It was crazy. Oh. Yes, it looked like bugs yep. crawling out of the ground. It, it's such a great analogy. Like, just terrifying. I was like, ooh, yeah. like when they started crawling well, because, out. I mean, the reason that I even thought of ants specifically is because when we... When you look up cordyceps, like Ant it's Man. usually oh, yes. it's usually ants, ants. that are yes. being infected yes. by cordyceps. Um, and then, yeah, when the when the bloater rips Perry uh, into two, that so the interesting thing about that is that is actually a, a death animation from the game. I don't know if you remember it, Justin, but the bloater will do the same thing to Joel, um, but the game will cut to black prior to you seeing anything. Whereas here, we see the whole thing going down and the way that the music happens in this moment is another callback audibly to the game where the strings kind of have that rising tension and then they just cut as soon as he gets ripped in half and you hear the, the explosion. Oh, interesting. So when you, when you, cool. if you play the game, like it's, that's literally the same noise that happens yeah. every single time that you, you die. Um, so mm. I just, I, I love, I love that they're not just paying attention to visual nods to the games, but also audio ones as well. So good. So good. And kudos to Ellie. For stepping up her game here, killing not one but two clickers with a knife. With a knife, dude. Yo, she knifed them. Like it kind of goes to show that she doesn't need a gun. No, she wants one. <laughs> she, she wants one. Um. So then we get to you know this fantastic cut of you know going from what looks like hell on earth to just mm. silence, right? And yeah. I love how they did that. Um. And uh, you know we kind of join back with our group at the Broken Down Ranch Land Motel, uh, where Joel offers Henry the invite for him and Sam uh, to, to join them to Wyoming. Uh, and Henry agrees, saying he thinks it would be nice for Sam to have a friend. And as they're saying all this, I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Um, so new day, <laughs> new start is what Henry says. Uh, and then Henry tells Sam to get some sleep. But as soon as he closes the door, they do the little kid thing where they wake back up they, or they they you know get back up and ellie uh says let's let's go back to reading our comic book sam stops her and asks ellie if she's scared uh, and then asks if you turn into a monster is it still you inside and ellie in that moment realizes what's going on uh, he then shows ellie that he was bit on his leg and ellie immediately tells him that her blood is medicine she cuts her hand and applies it to his wound uh, he asks Ellie if she'll stay up with him, and she promises to do so. So this is the first time uh, that we've ever seen in any medium Ellie attempt to use her blood as medicine for, for someone who's infected. Um, she didn't do this with Tess. Do you, like, why do you think she attempted to, to heal Sam here, and do you think she actually thought it would work? I don't know. <laughs> like that was like that was like honestly like the most kid thing. <gasps> my blood will help will help you. Right. right? Like my blood. Like I'm just gonna yeah. cut it. Like I and she like to your point, she seems so adult. So was she doing it for him? I think so. To make him feel better? Yeah. Right? Like I, I, I can see some some honor in that and doing something like that. I think it was a mix between her uh really hoping it would work. She wanted so desperately for that to work. But in her mind, she knows it wouldn't, right? Uh, and I think it's kind of a mix of that and what you just described of like, she didn't want Sam to die scared, 
right? This would set his mind at ease as he slowly loses it, right? She can just sort of be like, well, you're, you know, if you're going to get through tonight, you have to have some hope. And I think that's probably what where she was going with it. But but there's that moment where she closes her eyes and and I'm just like, oh, she wants nothing more than for this just to work. Uh, and so I think it was a bit it was a bit of of her giving him hope uh, yeah, while losing hope maybe. at the same time. It's kind of what I got. Yeah, from I thought it was an inter- I thought it was an interesting choice to to kind of to try that. I really liked, though. You know, when they're writing their messages back and forth, you know, he writes like aren't you ever scared? Mm -hmm. And then she writes back, you know, I'm scared of ending up alone. Yeah. Right. And and in that moment, we get to see a side of Ellie that I don't think she really exudes. Right. Right. Like she's, you know, any, she is trying to play the tough, the tough guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The, the one that, that can handle herself and, you know, needs a gun, you know, and all that stuff. (laughs) Right. So she, she's definitely putting on a persona. So in this moment with Sam, she, she can be very vulnerable and I just love that it's it's not an audible sort of um, share. It's it's something that we're reading and we're learning about. But I thought that was really smart. Um, but yeah, like if 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 anything, where we're going is just the highlight of what kind of follows Ellie of of things of of that sort. So well, before we get to that moment, um, let's have a little bit of lightness. I do love how they called out the redundancy of the phrase endure and survive. <laughs> and he's just like, that shit's redundant. Yeah, it's not great. And it's just so funny because that is pretty much the entire messaging of the marketing for the first game where it was mm-hmm. like you would see it all over the place for the market, like endure and survive. And it was like this really tough thing. So it's just, it's fun to see them, you know, kind of poking fun at themselves, fun. right? Have, yeah. have a little bit of fun with, yeah. with that um, idea. And especially, I think they need that levity because the next morning comes and Ellie wakes up to see Sam sitting upright uh, and away from her on his bed. She walks over to him, touches his shoulder, and he immediately starts attacking her. She falls back out of the room through the door, and he falls on top of her, viciously trying to bite her. This wakes up Joel and Henry, and Joel reaches for the gun, but Henry grabs it first. And after Joel attempts to go towards the kids, Henry shoots at his feet. He then points his gun at Sam and fires. The scene goes quiet. And Henry realizes what he's done. He points his gun at Joel and starts asking, what did I do? What did I do? Before pointing it at himself and pulling the trigger. They bury the brothers in the ground outside the motel. And Ellie leaves Sam's drawing pad on top of his grave with the words, I'm sorry, written on it. She asks Joel which way is west and then tells him, let's go. She puts down the shovel, picks up, uh, sorry, he puts down the shovel, picks up his rifle and the two start walking away. So, heavy moment. Uh, again, mm. we knew this was coming if you if you played the games. How did it hit for you this time as opposed to the first time experiencing the game? A uh, lot harder. Um, yeah. More emotional. Yeah. I think a lot of it feeds into seeing the moments with Sam and Ellie throughout the, the episode to come to this moment. To realize that, you know, if it be the fact that she believed that her blood could help or she wanted to give some hope... Like really, at the end of the day, she knew she must have known that that this was going to happen. She just hoped, you know, childishly that that her blood would magically do it. I I don't know, but you know, the fact that she leaves the note, "I'm sorry," mm-hmm. is a bit of a 
a, like a sense of guilt. And I'm wondering now, you know, the way she just flipped like a coin was just like, okay, let's go. Which way is west? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Right. She just wants to leave this trauma and she's going to carry it with her. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was alluding to. I think this is something that is going to follow Ellie more and more is that these, this loss. Yeah. Right. These, these connections. And it's going to remind her of her past. If we explore that story, you know, the idea that loss is so in, intrinsically tied and you, you that's why you don't grow attachments mm. do you know what i mean you don't you don't grow these these sense of attachments to to people because they're going to they're going to get infected and die so i don't know it was it hit really hard i i did cry i shed a couple tears yeah. um especially because the kid was just so great and i knew i was hoping that it wouldn't happen here but then when it when they were under the truck i was like yeah, this is gonna happen in the second. Yeah, you you right? can see so. you can see his little legs hanging out of the underneath the For truck. Sure, and... when they were when they were going at it, I'm like I'm like he's gonna get. He's, this is where yeah, he gets bitten, bitten, right? And it's just it's it's they they really just push it at the end. But it was the 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 abruptness of the of the scene. Well, that's what I was gonna say. He comes flying through the yeah. room. Right. And then suddenly, like, it's almost like he's delirious, Henry. Right. Like he picks up the gun. He understands what's happening. And then he just fires on an instance. Like, you know what I mean? Like. I think if anyone had to do it, it should have been Henry. It shouldn't have been Joel. No. It shouldn't have been Ellie. Yeah. It had to be Henry. And I think that in the moment he knew why he did it, but then he just realized he killed his brother. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just his emotional reaction was was the extra weight on top of watching this kid turn and oh, it's just awful. The the pace so. the pace that the scene moves felt faster here than it did in the games. And oh, and, 100%, and I, yeah. I think you know, I think that made it more impactful and it was so difficult to experience again. Like the the sheer dread in Henry's eyes, I wasn't ready for it. Um, I don't think you can be ready for a scene like this ever. Um, and I honestly, I'm probably not going to watch it again. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like I, when, when I'm writing up these descriptions and I'm, I'm working on this stuff, like I've got, I watched through these episodes at least two or three times. So I watched through that scene three times at this point. I'm not going to watch it again. It's just, it's really really tough um but the way this moment is captured um in the game it just cuts to black mm -hmm. but I, but this is where the show again we talk about it all the time um gives us a little bit more time and it cuts right to ellie's reaction when you see henry shoot himself and you just get yep. right onto her face you see the tears and immediately the subtle, like, <gasps> start yeah, yeah just yeah. just coming down her face i just it was it it highlights why Again, I think it's probably better not to binge these episodes. Like, just take a beat, even if it's a day or two. If you're watching this after everything's sort of wrapped, like, take a beat, uh, decompress, um, come and listen. Yeah, to it was us it jokers. was heavy. <laughs> yeah. Talk about yeah. talk about the show. Try to talk about this. Yeah, yeah talk, like, talk about this <laughs> moment um, because it is uh, it is absolutely a lot. And yeah, this was, this was a rough moment to watch. Yeah, it definitely was. But uh, I'm I'm I'm. I'm interested in how it's going to shape Ellie. Yeah. Right? Because this is obviously, this is going to shape her character pretty well. Because to your point, they don't show him shooting himself. They just show her reaction. Yeah. Right? Like her seeing yeah. that. Right? And that's a whole other thing to see someone just point a gun at their head and shoot themselves. Brutal. Right? You see people get infected. You see people get shot at. But someone to inflict that, it's it, it, it hits different. Right? Mm -hmm. So. It's rough. Yeah. So let's get to our uh, all right. Let's get to our overall thoughts and final score uh, for this episode, uh, which we're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five issues of Savage Starlight. 
Justin. Yeah, this is, again, another fantastic episode that feels very character-focused as it takes you know new liberties with the characters of, of Henry and Sam, mm-hmm. you know, and also expanding on those stories for the purpose of, of the TV series. But that said, I, I do wish we could have seen more of the lead-up to the moments of, of meeting up with Joel and Ellie. Tell him, Give me the story with Kathleen, Michael, and Henry, and him having to do this. It, it could have been an episode. You gave me Bill and Frank... And that was really impactful. And they still fed into the larger story. I just feel like there was a missed opportunity to really hit this home mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, incorporate it. Well, they did it really well with the Bill and Frank one. And I'm not saying that this whole episode needed to be, you know, back in time. Some of those moments we could have felt a little bit more so we could understand rather than just characters giving us expositional dialogue mm-hmm. that helps fill in the blanks rather us rather than us seeing it and experiencing it. I really enjoyed the moments with Sam and Ellie where you really do get to see them be kids um, in this fucked up infected world with people raiding other people and you know these resistance people just absolute animals and Fedra can't be trusted and they're a government organization like it's just a fucked up place but it was warm and heartfelt to see kids being kids in this in this strange world so I I really loved those moments Um, Lamar Johnson did an amazing job uh, playing Henry, I think, like you were pointing out, some of his sort of facial reactions and eye gestures, the way he is able to act with with his his body language and his face and his eyes, it's just it it really does resonate. the 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 final scenes of this episode were super super intense, and Kayvon Woodward was fantastic as Sam. Such a great casting. I really enjoyed who they casted. I really enjoyed who they casted for both. Henry and Sam, I think they were perfect. Um, I think the first half of this episode really does suffer from expositional dialogue, having to fill in blanks. And, you know, we're supposed to feel something for these characters who we don't really know. Um, So, uh, you know, for me, those are the, the misses. The pluses to this episode are definitely after the mid 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 part along their journey where we do find, you know, the big action set piece with all the infected. And we do get an emotional hit at the end of this episode that reminds us of the loss that we can see come throughout this show and how just life is very fragile in this delicate world. Um, So those are the things that that keep the episode up for me. However, I'm going to be giving this one a 3.5 out of 5 issues of Savage Starlight. Okay. I, I think that while those are the ups, the only thing that really brought, brings this down is is not giving me enough of the, the background. Because I, I know they can. They've been doing it already with little flashback moments and stuff like that. And I think that they could have incorporated that while telling the same story in the linear fashion give me that sort of lost vibe episode right uh it doesn't need to be as siloed as as what the bill and frank was where it was like literally walk us through 20 years i just wanted something i could feel more connected to well justin we're recording this on a friday uh and it kind of feels like a freaky friday right now because i feel like we're switching you know you're always saying how i always want more (laughs) and uh and in this one i actually i i disagree with you a little bit i i think for me the i'm used to the games in, in this world. I'm used to the way they tell these stories. And and a big aspect to the games is that, yes, you do learn about a lot of characters' histories through the conversations through that they have. I, Absolutely. I know, I know. And so for me, I get that. For me, it didn't yeah. it didn't it didn't hit me. That didn't bother me as as much. Would I have liked to see more of it? Sure. Um, I don't think we ever will because all the characters involved are dead no, now. Of course. Um but well let's I'll just just on that note, yeah. we did see Tess come back. 
That was obviously in a bottleneck episode sure. that takes place in time. So if we do get time jumps, mm-hmm. there is probably an opportunity to see that. But maybe not for the people in Kansas, because a lot of them... I don't, yeah. Especially Henry and Sam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode was harrowing. It was horrifying. It was incredibly sad. Uh, the performances from Lamar Johnson, Kayvon Woodard are perfect. They were perfectly cast. Uh, and it was another episode similar to episode one where we knew what was going to happen and it was just a matter of time to see it go down. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there when this series was first being you know discussed and talked about who were very much saying, well, I played the games a million times. I already know what's going to happen. But I think this episode and episode one um, really proves that even though you know the the bones of this story, it's the interactions between these people and these performances um, that I think elevate it. And then you get the extra scenes um, that we keep talking about. Yeah, it allows for still for some surprises to still happen, right? Um, but even before we got to that scene, the ways in which they just give more stakes to Henry. Uh, and Sam and why they were on the run uh, and the result, you know, with the with the massacre of the resistance um, was just, again, another great. I love it. Bookend uh, like we were talking about of what, you know, seeing what was happening at the top of the episode to near the end of the episode. And I just thought it was a really great way to sort of um, show the brutality on on all sides. Uh, and I, I do think, again, while it was incredibly tough to watch. The moment we lose Sam and Henry was so heavy, but captured so perfectly uh, with subtle changes that I think, again, made the moment more impactful, which, you know, it's 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 not a fun thing to watch, but it is something that it did feel like it hit harder uh, this time around. Overall, this episode was a great representation of what The Last of Us is how dark the world is uh, and how dark the series can get. Uh, I'm giving this episode 4.5 out of five issues of Savage Starlight. All right. We made it through another week, Justin. I'm going to take a breather, I think, before <laughs> before watching the next episode. Hopefully it's not as upsetting. Um, but that is it for this week's Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us. We hope you at least enjoyed our conversation. Uh, And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows uh, that we cover in Watch Club. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover, uh, well, let me send you over to Justin so he can let you know how you can reach us outside of your QZ. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at We Are Geek Centric. Including our recent Geek Back episode, uh, where we took a look back at 2022. Uh, we have a review, a spoiler free review for an Apple TV original, um, Apple TV Plus original show called Shrinking uh, for season one, which absolutely fantastic. Uh, please go check out that show. We yes, have a ton of interviews. Please. We have an interview with uh, Luke Tenney, who plays Sean on Shrinking. Justin sat down with him to chat about his similarities to his character, as well as what it's like to work alongside Harrison Ford, Han Solo himself. Um, I'm trying to figure out the date here, Justin, but I think we've got some, some you know, time is one of those things that I wish I could control more uh, in my life. I, and I'm thinking we might have some upcoming stuff coverage around Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania why yes we will uh next week is quantum mania week as we drop our spoiler free review for the movie on tuesday 
at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But before that, on Monday, we do have some interviews with director Peyton Reed and actress Catherine Newton. So you don't want to miss that. Make sure to, you know, get on all the socials, like, click on all the things, subscribe to us here, subscribe to us there, subscribe to us everywhere. Um, every. <laughs> It's like it came out of another book. Um, you know, you can check us out on on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. You can check us out on our TikTok. We got a TikTok because we're cool Tickety like that. Talk. Um, we are geekcentric on TikTok. We have some great stuff planned for 2023. More interviews, more reviews, convention coverage, uh, and so much more. So again, subscribe, like all the things, follow us on all the things, comment all the things, leave some reviews if you don't mind, um, and, uh, and, and hopefully... Uh, you'll enjoy what is to come from Geek Centric. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, when you're lost in the darkness, look for the light. <laughs> <laughs>